It's a pretty simple story, if you will. It's not. No, not people, anybody can do it. I mean, it's the point. It's not somebody else like who's a priest or anybody else like that. It's you who, who do that with other people. Right. It's even in your relationships on the ground to other people. I think that all the time. I'm Margaret Pothig, and this is Keeping Dad Alive. This season of the podcast is about vocation. One of the characteristics about my dad that we all admire is his ability to remember names. Well, not just names, but people. The point my dad is trying to get across is that the relationships that we make with other people, well, we ought to think about that as part of our vocation. My parents, both of them Presbyterian ministers, made it a point to build relationships across boundaries of geography, culture, class, ethnicity, race, religion, you name it. Even their marriage crossed boundaries. My mom with her teetotaling Puritan heritage and my dad with his gross familia who drank beer out of buckets. Throughout my life now of 95 years, I have to say that it's people who are living out this vocation that really helped me to life. I mean, it, all in simple steps. I mean. For my dad, this idea of crossing boundaries has a very specific origin. It was the people of Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church in Manhattan who crossed the boundary of Park Avenue to reach out to the families living in the tenements. For instance, if I were to use Goodwill Sunday School as an example, Harriet Andrews. In my dad's telling about his road to the middle class, it begins with Goodwill Sunday School, which was part of the outreach ministry of Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church to serve the growing number of European immigrants living in and around 82nd Street in Manhattan. Goodwill Sunday School had been in existence since the 1860s. It went through a period of dramatic change in the first part of the 20th century under the leadership of the Reverend Henry Sloan Coffin. He wanted to incorporate the people living in the cold water tenements to the east of the church into the membership of Madison Avenue, so he sent a church wagon around on Sunday morning to pick people up to bring them to church. And, as the story goes, he also apparently got his college buddy, Mr. Edward Harkness, to purchase the carriage building next to the church, which they turned into a 10-story church house that offered a broad range of community programs and activities. Two basketball courts, bowling alleys in the basement, billiard tables. I mean, we we had the whole works. On the roof, it was an open roof garden. My mother and I went to a program on the roof garden of the church house. and was overwhelming. I think it overwhelmed my mother, seeing the streets below. As I sit with my dad, reviewing his long life as a social justice minister, organizer, and historian, I feel like I'm channeling my grandmother, Henrietta. I feel overwhelmed, thinking about the Reverend Coffin, Mr. Harkness, and all the people of the church on Madison Avenue pouring their hearts and, yes, their money into people like my dad and my grandmother. It was truly amazing that we had so many good people at Goodwill Sunday School. They, they really devoted themselves to the kids from the east side. But before we talk about the staff and volunteers at Goodwill Sunday School, let's talk about Mrs. Massick. Mrs. Massick, who was in our tenement, my mother had developed a good relationship with the Massicks. And she said to my mother, I know you're looking for a Sunday school for Richard because she wanted me to have some kind of religious upbringing. And so she says, there's a Sunday school that's only around the corner and up the block across 2nd Avenue. And one of the people who was there was Harriet Andrews, the slight-built woman. 
I can still see her. She's, she had an alert face, and she must have caught wind of the fact that I was interested in other backgrounds. And she also must have known my dad collected stamps. So she took me down one day. It was on a weekend. In New York City, it was called the Kasbah. It was Middle Eastern. It had a whole lot of shops down there, and you could smell as you went into where the shops were the scents of of their shops and the, and the spices. And she ended up saying to me, Now, Richard, <laughs> I'm going to show you this part of the shop is really about Palestine. You know, they have some very interesting stamps in Palestine. And I, I'll get you some of those Palestinian stamps. But when you get these stamps, I want you to be a writer for us in our Sunday school paper. I want you to write a story about some of the people who were made up that background, like Abraham and maybe even Moses. My dad made it into the middle class because of this thing called vocation, berufung, a calling. But in the very beginning, it wasn't my dad's vocation that got him there. It was the feelings of ordinary people for my dad, for all the children of the working class families, to open them up to other possibilities. Well, Harriet Andrews, she ended up broadening my view of the world because she took me down to the Casbah to really understand there were other there were other sections of the world. No, and then and then Riker, Riker. I see. I remember these people. He he would take us kids out of city in his car just to get us feeling that there's more than than it's just around us. The superintendent of our Sunday school was W. W. Hall, a chubby man with a great big smile and glasses, and he just overwhelmed us with his congeniality, and he found out that we were stamp collectors. And this was when we were probably 11 or 12 years old. He says, now, Richard and Harry, I want you to come over to my apartment on Park Avenue. I've collected stamps from different countries when I've traveled. So Harry and I, <laughs> we wandered over one Sunday afternoon, and we finally came to this very nice apartment house, a very, I mean, elegant apartment house with awnings and a doorman. And we went in, and we told him that Mr. Hall had asked us to come and visit him. He told me that you were coming, says the elevator driver. We went into the elevator in this very swanky apartment house, and when the elevator stopped. Rather than going out into a hall, we came to an apartment. And W.W. Hall greeted us. And so we sat down at a big table, and he had all these albums out. We looked through them, and he said, said, now you take the stamps that you like here. I said, man, oh man. And they were all mint stamps. I said, these are the different countries that that W.W. Hall visited. So this was a big gain for us, these particular stamps. So I have them still in my collection. I think what Harriet Andrus and Riker and Mr. W.W. Hall and others did for my dad is best described in a dream that my sister Carrie had quite a few years ago and that she recounted in one of our family Zoom calls. Here's the recording. Can I tell you my dream? Yes. This is when I was taking my comps, my dissertation comps. That day was a disaster. I finished the exam at 3 o'clock in the morning and it was done. Next night, I have a dream. So in this dream, I'm running around a track, and it's the last lap, and I'm it's a race, and I'm running, running, running to the uh, line, and I don't make it. I get across the line, and 
everybody jumps up and yells and just in jubilation. And I look around and I realize I've broken a spell. I broke the spell. In the dream, I'm just like astonished, like this is what it's like in fairy tales to break the spell. You never return to the way it was before. And then I think, but I didn't win. And there's a voice that comes up from the top right of the dream. It says, do you want to do it again? So I say, yeah. So then I go down and I'm running the race again, the laps again. And we're going around the last lap and I run across and I win. And everybody jumps up and it's like, it's only me. I just won. So what? Nothing got changed. And so the voice at the top right says, which do you choose? You get to choose. And I say, I want to go up to the other one. I go back up. You know, they're having a fiesta and and I wake up from the dream. And I know that actually I didn't choose. I didn't choose a vocation. I chose something completely different. I chose to be somewhere at a moment where something happens. All I am is there for. And all I can say is at some point in my life, I said hello to somebody who needed a hello. (laughs) And something happened that I don't even know about that spiraled into something else that we have acts every day that we do that break the spells that we don't know about. And, um, and that's what living in this world is ultimately about. When we talk about this, about vocation, it's just not even vocation in the sense that, that, that terminology. It's a fact that there is something internally within people who go out of their way because they feel something that they that, that they have, have to have some kind of relationship to people to help people. And that basically, I think, is what the gospel's about. It's really to treat other people with respect. It's a humanity. It's what I consider to be the church, is a way in which people can get along with one another who have a community together mm-hmm. and who have a spirit that's beyond just themselves. And I think that's what Jesus was talking about. <laughs> I mean, okay. Once the Goodwill Sunday School children were old enough, the idea was that they would join the youth group at Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. And not many of us made it over to Madison Avenue out of that group. We were supposed to be kind of incorporated into Madison Avenue Church. We became confirmed. And Harry Fisher and I were the only ones that made the long trek walked all the way from the east side over to Madison Avenue Church at 73rd Street. We were the only ones. So Horace Halser went out of his way to get me introduced into the youth group there. They knew me from, from goodwill, but they really worked at making me feel at home. And I stayed. Okay, and then I got, developed friendships with Jerry Pospisil and Dick Frothingham. <laughs> I mean, that's how, you know. That. Dad says that the youth group at the church is where he learned to dance and to date. And what we did was after after we had a program on Saturday, we would go over to an ice cream parlor called The Dumps, D-U-M-P-P-S, <laughs> The Dumps. The Dumps. On 3rd okay. Avenue, on 3rd Avenue. Yeah. On 3rd Avenue. And that's where we ended up sharing ice cream, sodas, and stuff like that. And, and, and it warmed us up. They really put out their efforts to really keep us Part of, part of the church community. And they worked very hard at that. They did it. They did it. Else I wouldn't be sitting here today. Else I wouldn't be sitting here today. And all along the way, you people pop up and, they, and, and somehow they, they give you a direction, okay? 
Uh, and, that, and that, to me, has been my whole life. I mean, I've run into people like that all the way. The music in this podcast is Savannah by Zylo Zico.